Do they explain what Alpha School is? No. Fuck. <laughs> it's a PG-13 podcast kit. I know you're angry about wolves. Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold fact since 1986. Today's fact, Richard Rich continues to need to be stopped, part 8,243. Oh, God. (laughs) I think he did just fine with this one. It's such a great film, part of the cinematic masterpieces. Christ. I had to look this up on, like, my Xbox to rent it. Yeah, I had to spend money to watch this movie. Ooh, me too. For this fucking podcast. I want you people to understand what I sacrificed for you. I'm talking to the audience now, not my co-hosts. My roommate has HBO, so I got it for free. Why is it on HBO? (laughs) Okay, first off, we're watching the movie Alpha and Omega, the 2010 movie about wolves who fall in love. Yeah, my point is that if you search Alpha and Omega on the Xbox media store, there's like 10 of these. Yeah, it does not really have great SEO. I feel like Annie and I've seen like six of them. But as soon as I saw the search results, the words physically escaped my mouth. Fuck you, there's so many of these. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first off, I love the fact that HBO in the United States has snapped up the rights to Alpha and Omega. They got that on lockdown. You have to pay money for this. (laughs) You can't get it anywhere else. Second, Alpha and Omega... Because it is a Richard Rich production, he did produce this movie. It is, of course, hit by the same idea that he had for the 8 million Swan Princess sequels, which means that there are Alpha and Omega sequels about their kids using a couple of character models from the first movie that they recycled and did much lower res. So this is Alpha and Omega. There are eight Alpha and Omega films in total. Oh, God. This one came out in 2010. The last one came out in 2017. Do you want to hear all of the titles? They're really just cranking those out, huh? They really are. They're also like 30 to 45 minutes long each, so they are just really milking it. Annie and I have seen many of them. We have seen two of them, I think. I don't know that I have seen the third one. I remember that one. Against my better judgment, I want to hear all the titles. (laughs) All right. So we have Alpha and Omega. That's our main one. That's our prime film. Uh-huh. Alpha and Omega 2, a holiday adventure. No. <laughs> <laughs> Alpha and Omega 3, the great wolf games. Oh, no. Alpha and Omega, here they stopped counting, much like all the Land Before Time sequels. They stopped using numbers. The Legend of the Sawtooth Cave. Okay. Alpha and Omega, family vacation. Alpha and Omega, dino digs. Alpha and Omega, the big furries. No. Yes. Fur ease. No. Uh huh. No. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. And yeah. Alpha and Omega, Journey to Bear Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Just kids like noises of rage. They're speechless. I was gonna make a joke of how Journey to Bear Kingdom sounds like that time I went to the gay bar on a particular weekend, <laughs> but it wasn't coming to me. Like, I couldn't figure out what the particular weekend would be. Anyway, Alpha and Omega. This was unwatchable, you guys. (laughs) It's so good. Here's the thing. 
this would normally be just a really terrible movie in the same vein that like most of the Swan Princess sequels are. However, this movie has fan fiction in the middle of the movie. This movie already pushes the bounds of what you can have in a kid's. Also, part of the reason this movie was so fucking unwatchable is besides the fact that it is incredibly subpar, and like most subpar animated movies, engages in a casting practice that my old boss called star fucking. Yep. <laughs> like, Dennis Hopper plays the evil wolf in this. It was his last role before he died. This was Dennis Hopper's last role? Holy shit. I think it was. Oh my god. Hold on. They had a memorial for him in the credits. You're right, they did! It was also unwatchable, because the version I rented had no subtitles, and all the audio sounds like it was recorded inside of a tin shed ten miles away. <laughs> oh my god, I think that might just be, like, a problem with the version they put out, because I usually watch our movies for I Will Fight You with subtitles, because I need to pay attention to all the horrible things people are saying. I could not turn on subtitles for this movie. Okay, it was not the last film he had... Oh, thank God. Okay. Oof. Mackenzie, could you get subtitles on on this? Yeah, HBO had them. HBO's got that shit locked down. HBO's got exclusive rights to the subtitles. <laughs> Everyone else has to suffer trying to pay attention to Justin Long. That's right, guys. This movie stars Justin freaking Long. Why was the audio so bad? Like, the music was incredibly loud and the voices were incredibly quiet and they sounded like they were literally phoned in. Like someone stuck a microphone onto a phone that one of the actors had called. I'm starting to think that they just put Justin Long in a sound booth for like three hours and told him to just pretend he had a wolf Sona. Oh, God. Because he's just playing Justin Long, regular old insufferable Justin Long here. Wolves like each other's butts. <sighs> oh, my butt, my butt, my butt. Why aren't you laughing? That was hilarious. That was a hilarious joke straight out of Alpha and Omega. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie. Quick note, this movie on Amazon is $3.99 to rent and $4.99 to own. You own it now? No! Just on principle, no. Just on principle, no. I don't want to have the ability to watch Alpha and Omega anytime I want. <laughs> I paid money for Jupiter Ascending, and over the course of my watching of Jupiter Ascending, I realized that I had made the best decision of my life to own Jupiter Ascending and watch it whenever I wanted. This is not the case. <laughs> with Alpha and Omega. So this movie takes place in Alberta? Yeah. Yeah. About three and a half hours from Kit. Yeah, about three and a half hours from me is a place called Jasper National Park. It's the place where if you're fancy, you go ski. Mmm, okay. Or camping, or what have you. Sometimes tourists take their children there, and then those children get attacked by bears, because the tourists don't understand the proper procedure for interacting with bears. Or elk, for that matter. Or just don't, if possible. Oh, that's not specific to American tourists. They don't do that just in Canada. They do that at Yellowstone, too. I read about a couple who their child was attacked by bears because they wanted to get a cute picture of the bear licking the child's face, so they covered the child. In. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a friend of mine's getting married there next year. Anyway, it's a thing. Sorry, I'm just thinking about the people that were taking pictures in Yellowstone and telling their kids to stand closer to the elk. The adult bull elk. That's a bad choice. That's a bad choice. That is a, a severe lapse in judgment. Anyway, this movie looks nothing like Jasper. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie that, as far as I can tell, cared to do absolutely no research on anything, including what wolves look like and how they move. The fact that it was set in Jasper made me wonder if they got federal funding for this, but I checked the National Film Board and they didn't. <laughs> what it probably is, is they never say what park they're in in Idaho later. So I assume that they asked every national park in the United States and they all said no. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. Also, this is based on a real thing for our audience. There was actually a project to repopulate wolves in the United States because they were almost completely extinct by taking wolves from Canada and just kind of moving them. And that worked. And it was actually really cool. And this movie does a really bad job of selling why that's cool. <laughs> well, if you're trying to repopulate a whole species, you only take two, right? Ugh. Ugh. Put them in isolation. Make a bone. It'll be fine. But yeah, we live in a world where they decided to airdrop some wolves from Jasper into Idaho and it fucking worked and repopulated the wolf species. Now the farmers are pissed off. You'll get that. I signed a petition. Uh, the years I could tell, farmers will assign cause and effect to literally anything. <laughs> Growing up as a child of a farmer, yeah. Yeah. Were the wolves to blame for anything? Like, not necessarily the wolves in Indiana. In Indiana, it was the coyotes. In Indiana, right. it was the coyotes, yeah. That's always coyotes. So we open in beautiful, quote-unquote, Jasper Park. <laughs> Heavy sarcasm quotes. We spend a lot of time looking at a waterfall because I guess they decided the water effects were good enough for 2010. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> I just want to say this movie came out in a post-Finding Nemo world. It did. Uh, and they learned nothing. <laughs> our first introduction to our characters is we're introduced to Humphrey, a.k.a. Justin Long. I don't want to skip over the fact that some of these wolves are named these things. Starting with the fact that our hero is named Humphrey. Humphrey. Yeah, they use just people names. And they're bad people names. I'm not sure if this is better or worse than having, like, warrior cat style names. <laughs> I think it's worse. We focus in on Humphrey and two other Omegas because you see all wolves in this universe are divided into either being an alpha or an Omega. Okay, I, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking fight because, okay, listen, I've written a lot of Teen Wolf fanfic. I had to do a lot of research on, like, wolf pack <laughs> dynamics. And I'm telling you now... Had to. Had to. Had to. <laughs> it was my responsibility to do this right, goddammit. <laughs> and the whole alpha wolf, beta wolf, omega wolf thing only happens in wolves in captivity because there are a bunch of wolves that don't know each other that you crammed into a small space. So, of course, under high stress conditions, they're desperately going to try and figure out a social order. In the wild, wolf packs are usually an alpha male and alpha female, and they are the parents of the rest of the pack who are their cubs. And then the cubs grow up and then they leave and form their own packs. That's the pack structure. It's a parent and their offspring and sometimes some older offspring. There isn't like a special class of wolf whose job it is to be submissive or whatever. Fuck you, Omegaverse. <laughs> I think I'm done. Well, just let us know as anything else comes up as we get into the social structures here. Yeah, anyway, in this movie, Omega's job is to be shit comedians. So as far as we can tell, the Alpha's job is to hunt caribou specifically. No other animal. And the Omega's job is to be a circus clown. They are rodeo clowns. That is their job. They are rodeo clowns. Keep the peace, Omega. Whatever that means. Humphrey and his three rodeo clown friends have a <laughs> hollowed out trunk of a tree. That they're using as a sled. Like a bobsled? To ride down the mountain and do exciting things, I guess. And the movie spends a lot of time doing this because the, I guess we're supposed to think it's cool to look at. And this is also a recurring theme in all the sequels, where they go bobsledding down mountains repeatedly and also use it to solve problems. All problems can be solved by a wood bobsled, I guess. 
This is Chekhov's wooden bobsled. <laughs> Look, if it's good enough for cool runnings, it's good enough for Alpha and Omega. I don't think I don't think that should be our standard if it's good enough for cool runnings. <laughs> By the way, this is like a flashback. The the kids here, and so not that you'll be able to tell the difference between them now and later. They're no, no. They look exactly the same. There will be several points in this movie where they say the characters look different. They don't. <laughs> Meanwhile, while this cool runnings thing is happening, we meet two other wolves named Kate and Lily. Kate is just like a brown wolf. Lily is Snow White with purple eyes. Oh God. <laughs> And she's got some hair, beautiful locks on the top of her wolf head, most of which hangs over one eye, making her look sexy and cool like every DeviantArt wolf OC. Yeah. The hair over her eye has like physics on it. They had to rig and weight the hair over her eye. Yep. They did that to the exclusion of many other things that needed rigging and weighting in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It is important to note that the wolves have hair, not just on their bodies. They don't just have fur. They also have like hair. Actual hair. We see Kate's mom later in the movie, and she has the Karen haircut. Yeah, no. Yeah, she has the Karen bob. No, like, I saw it, and I instantly wrote the word Karen down at the same time <laughs> as the person I was watching it with yelled Karen. <laughs> so Kate and her sister, and let's be clear, the beautiful, white, purple-eyed wolf is not the main character. No. No. But Kate is an alpha, and Lily is an omega. I guess. I guess. How does that distinction happen? It's not clear. Nope. But she doesn't hang out with the other Omegas. Because she's special. Because she's white with purple eyes. And a beautiful soul. Also because she's the daughter of the Alpha. Kate is trying to hunt. Kate does ninja moves. Kate is some kind of wolf ninja. She does a cool flying leap just as Humphrey gets kicked off of his sled. By a rock. And they do this weird slow motion hug where they hold pause and spin into a tree. Ow. Which kills people, by the way. And I guess this means that they're friends and that they like each other. Yeah. I think this this is supposed to be like they establish know each other type situation. But honestly, I could not hear any of the dialogue in this movie. (laughs) We also get our first cool wacky joke from Humphrey, which is he swallowed his barf. Yeah, there's a lot of gross out humor in this. And it's not even like good gross out humor. It's the kind of gross out humor where you could tell somebody on the team for making this movie had a fetish. Mm. Humphrey swallows the barf that he was going to barf up, which is nice of him. And Kate announces that she is going off to alpha school. All I could hear was the words alpha school in this scene. I was like, wait, what? Wait, do they explain what alpha school is? No. Fuck. Yeah, no one ever says anything about it otherwise other than she went to alpha school and came back. Kate is going off to alpha school. We don't know what that means. We never learn what that means. She just leaves and then she comes back. We also learned that alpha and omegas are not allowed to be together. Alphas can only date alphas and omegas can only date omegas. Inbreeding. <laughs> Maybe that's why the wolves look the way they do. It's like a Habsburg level of inbreeding. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very high school clique thing. I don't understand it. We learned that alphas and omegas can't be together and that omegas are rodeo clowns and alphas do other stuff. And then we pull back and the credits roll over some Dr. Seuss font. (laughs) I didn't even think about it being that, but it is. It's absolutely Dr. Seuss font. (laughs) We get our title sequence, we come back, we have winter passes, we meet all of our wolves again who are doing the same thing they were in the last scene, so it's unclear why we needed that. Mm -hmm. 
the Omega Wolves are still hanging out. They're still making sleds. Kate is back. She's a wolf ninja. Everyone's very impressed with her. We meet two other wolves who don't have any lines except for the very climax of the film who are vegetarian wolves and this is a joke that we make that's a joke that we make that we plant now and then it comes back and it becomes relevant in an hour and a half (laughs) they're like instead of wanting to be with kate why don't you be with reba and janice the vegetarian wolves the vegetarians, which is said like a joke, but I don't understand it. Why is saying vegetarian funnier than saying vegetarian? Like they explicitly wrote it out in the subtitles. It's V E G G I E hyphenarian, and it was clear that that was supposed to be a joke or something, and I don't get it. Oh, that's strange. I thought they were just talking weird. I thought the joke was that wolves typically eat meat. They're are they obligate carnivores? I don't think so. They're not obligate carnivores like cats, but they, they need meat in their diet. Right. It just seems like they probably don't have super good, like, teeth structures to really eat berries exclusively. They highlight that it's supposed to be pronounced that way in the <coughs> subtitles. That's... Like it's a joke that I don't get. Strange. Richie Rich, what is that joke? <laughs> Richard? Richard! Explain it to me, Richard! That fool, Richard! Call me on my phone and tell me! <laughs> I mean, I think he showed up to Emerald City Comic Con last year. Maybe he'll show up again this year. Richard, answer for your crimes. (laughs) Richard, (laughs) we have an airing of grievances, Richard. I'll go to whatever he's at and I'll just sit there. And then when they they take questions, I will go up and I go, in the 2010 film, Alpha and Omega, (laughs) you make a joke that Reba and Janice are veggie hyphenarians. And I don't get it. Explain it to me. Richard, explain this movie you produced. I like how other podcasts have friends of the show and we have enemies of the show. <laughs> I think it's healthy to have a nemesis or five. How's your Viscount nemesis doing? Oh, I think he's like nine now. I don't care for it. So we watch the sequence where the wolves are hunting uh, some caribou. This is the only thing they eat, apparently, is caribou. Yeah, because uh, later there's a joke about... Hey, we could eat squirrels. Aha, bad joke. And they just let the squirrels go. Why wouldn't you eat the squirrels? If you're wondering how this movie handles the fact that the main characters are talking animals who are required to eat other talking animals, it doesn't. <laughs> it refuses to acknowledge this. It refuses to engage with this concept. They're clearly hunting the caribou for food, but also the caribou are like equally as within the bounds of the story. They're equally people as the wolves. They, in fact, mooned the wolves. And we also see other animals that talk. Yeah, we meet multiple other animals that talk. So, yeah, there's just this great big thing hovering over the movie that you're not supposed to think about too much. Because, like, you know how in The Lion King, the lions are all drawn cartooned and, like, all of the other talking animals are cartooned, but the wildebeest are distinctly not? Speaking of wildebeest. Speaking of wildebeest, have you seen The Lion King? (laughs) Have you seen The Lion King? Have you seen The Wildebeest Stampede? Alpha and Omega hopes you haven't. Alpha and Omega hopes you've never seen it and that this is brand new to you because it's time for a stampede, folks. Yeah, some kind of hunting accident happens because there's a couple of wolves from the eastern pack that are also trying to hunt caribou. And so they're out of their territory and they're mad at it. Then some wolves bark to warn that something's coming, which wolves don't do. (laughs) And then a wildebeest stampede happens, but it's caribou. And Kate does all these ninja jumps to get out of the stampede. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I have a note here that says, 
If Kate was Simba's dad, things would be different around here. <laughs> Hang on. I don't think there are any caribou in Jasper. I think it's just red deer and elk. Really? Well, now there are. Well, that's true. Caribou tend to live a lot further north, wouldn't they? They're normally like up in the Northwest Territory in the Yukon and like northern Alberta. The government has a website on this. Thank you, government. Okay, so there are moose, there are elk, there are mule deer, there are white-tailed deer. Oh, woodland caribou. Oh, well, there you go. Small groups of caribou left in Jasper are probably the remnants of massive herds that roamed the area just after the last ice age. Around 145 are left in the Rockies. Wow, I think we see about 145 caribou in total during one of these stampedes. So that's, that's all, all of them. them. That's all of them that they have. <laughs> that's all the caribou. That or Alpha and Omega somehow takes place right after the last ice age. It doesn't because they have people who drive RVs. <laughs> Maybe people who drive RVs were around after the last day I say. You know, I can't disprove you on that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe all the RVs fell in the snow. <laughs> after the caribou stampede, there's a fight between some of the wolves from Kate's hunting group and some of the wolves from the Eastern Pack. They are going to fight. Kate cannot get them to stop fighting until the rodeo clowns enter the scene. With a fat wolf! Yep, there's a wolf who's fat, and the, all the jokes surrounding him are that he's fat. That's what he's there for. Also, I really like that the fur texture on pretty much every single wolf, if you look at them closely, but particularly on the fat wolf, looks like a stuffed animal that you've had for about 10 years and, like, cuddle with to bed all the time, and the fur gets all kind of weird and matted, and you don't really, like, wash it enough. It's not great, is what I'm saying. It's not good. This is a very shoddy movie. While we're just sort of here, I also really want to talk about how these wolves just sort of like move because sometimes they do things with their front legs like people would. There's some shearing and you can tell that the model's not supposed to bend that way, but it does. It's like separate groups rigged the wolves, assuming that people would make the wolves move in regular ways. And then the people that animated the rigs said, screw that. That is almost certainly what happened. I seem to remember something about this movie having been animated at somewhere in Asia. So one of those places where like you work really long hours for really shitty pay. And so therefore you can't really put like the devotion into your craft that you would like to. And then the division of labor and that kind of thing. It almost certainly was rigged by a different team than the team that animated it. Incredible. The rodeo crowns break up the fight by making jokes about their fat friend. It's worth noting that the movie attempts to produce Justin Longwolf as like the cool, fun guy simply because all of the rest of his friends are the most intolerable and he also makes fun of them constantly. But Justin Long is also intolerable. Right. And we should be making fun of Justin Long constantly. And not in that fun, self-deprecating way he's trying to pull off where if he makes fun of himself, he thinks we can't make fun of him. No, this character sucks. Yeah, he's just kind of a huge asshole. So the wolves don't have any food because apparently this caribou was literally the only thing they could or will eat and now it's gone forever. God. The important thing is that we meet Kate's mom, who is a Karen. <laughs> Honestly, probably my honest-to-God favorite character in this movie. Honestly, I think I like her a lot, despite her hair and haircut. Yeah. Her whole deal is that, like, she's really, really pleasant, but at the same time, she will murder you. And I can get behind that. It's kind of fun. She regularly is very sweet. Like, everybody come to dinner, and then she'll say something like, if you touch my daughter, I will rip off your tail and stuff it down your throat. The phrase, stuff it down your throat, gets used a lot. Yeah. She threatens to rip out eyes, and I, I love her. 
favorite character in this movie. The only downside is that they do this joke repeatedly where when she says something extremely violent, all the other characters do these like stare takes at her for this prolonged beat of silence where they just sort of stare at her and stare at the camera like, wow, that was weird. <laughs> no, just let her say the violent thing. This seems like a decent thing to do when you're basically the co-leader of an entire pack of wolves that are all basically your family. Be extremely violent. Do it. We should get on a shirt, honestly. We also meet Lily, formerly, who looks exactly the same as she did before. Beautiful snow white <laughs> wolf, purple eyes, emo hair. She has a beautiful soul. We also find out that Kate's dad's name is Winston. Yeah, and that's not even the funniest wolf name we're going to get in a minute. <laughs> it's not! Winston is played by Danny Glover, by the way. Because, God forbid, this movie go five minutes without more star <laughs> We also get more of this recurring bit about, what if we eat berries instead, you guys? Ah. And all the wolves look sad. And then he goes, okay, well, how about squirrels? And all the wolves are like, yeah, please. And then Humphrey's like, oh, it's just a bad joke. And lets the squirrels go. No, eat the squirrels. Why wouldn't you eat the squirrels? The squirrels scream like little children and run away. This movie's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to a dramatic meeting as Winston decides to handle this strange thing with the Eastern pack. And they have a midnight rendezvous across a stream that must divide the territories of these two packs run by Winston and Tony. And this is Dennis Hopper Wolf. Dennis Hopper plays a wolf named Tony. His name is Tony. <laughs> Whose name is Tony? Also, I'm looking at the IMDb page for Alpha and Omega and it's, its top rated user list is a list called Abominations Against Nature, all caps. <laughs> Tony is apparently father of Garth. Yeah. Tony's son is named Garth. And apparently, who knows how long ago, Tony and Winston got together and Winston gave this big speech about how the packs would join together whenever Kate and Garth got married. Right. So wolves get married in this movie. They're not like mates. They're not like something that sounds vaguely wolfy. They get married. They get wolf married. They renounce their sins before wolf god and they get wolf married. So after they talk about it, Tony's like, if Kate really has no problem with it, then she can meet Garth tonight at the Moonlight Hell. Kate, who is watching, who has snuck out to watch this this whole thing, is like, Dad, I'm cool with it. That's fine. It's a very weird way to introduce a plot point that these wolf packs must be united and they must get married in order to do so. They could just, like, hang out together. Why do they need to unite the packs? They treat it like it's a royalty thing where the only way to ensure, like the combined inheritance of the leadership of the packs is to marry off two of its ruling members, but that's not how wolf packs work. Even in this movie, that's not how wolf packs work. <laughs> it's insinuated that there's some kind of wolf law, I guess, but no one ever chooses to elaborate on it. <sighs> also, I just looked it up, and Lily, the beautiful Snow White wolf with the purple eyes, is played by Christina Ricci. I know, right? <laughs> Christina frickin' Ricci. Wednesday Adams. Wednesday <laughs> Adams, everybody. The Omegas are ready for the Moonlight Howl. They gussy up. We do a whole thing where it's like, wow, you guys like really fancied up for the Moonlight Howl. Their characters want to look exactly the same. I think one of them combed his people hair. And they are ready, as we will never be ready, <laughs> for the Moonlight Howl. Uh... Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, what is this? Mackenzie, will you explain the Moonlight Howl for our listeners? So the Moonlight Howl consists of wolves basically sitting together on rocks and singing sexy, sultry songs and dancing while grinding against each other. I hate this. And writhing and flailing against each other. I hate this. So it's like, they're tangoing. They're like pressing against each other. Butts are rubbing. They're so into it, man. They are so into this Moonlight Howl. I hate this. So this is the wolves having sex. Yeah. Sort of. This is the equivalent of one of those, like, high school dances where the chaperones look away, and the moment they do, everyone is grinding. (laughs) (laughs) But this is what they do all the time. This is the dance where someone gets teen pregnant. (laughs) We basically watch people, the uh, people, I say, the wolves, pair off, and Kate goes to meet Garth. Garth is here. Now, when you hear Garth speak, you may think to yourself, I know this actor from somewhere, and having looked him up, I can tell you, you don't. (laughs) You think you do. You think this is somebody, but this is not somebody. This is just a guy who sounds like somebody. You know, that's funny, because I had sort of the opposite thing, where one of Garth's friends, whenever he talked, I was like, I know that voice, and I looked it up, and I did. He voiced the lead kid, the goggle kid, in the second series of Digimon. Christ. Yeah, it's Davis. Davis is in this movie. You might actually also know him from a bunch of other things. He was in Grey's Anatomy and Nashville as a main character for both of them. I don't watch those shows. Nobody who listens to our podcast watches those shows. Uh, no, I, I've never watched any either of those shows. I watch Nashville. Well, good news, guys. Garth from Nashville is here. <laughs> <laughs> He has a spit curl, and I think he's supposed to look super buff, but he has the exact same wolf body as everybody else except for the fat wolf. He's supposed to be, like, super buff and super handsome, but yeah, he looks like every other wolf. He has russet red fur and green eyes. He seems fine. He's just kind of dumb, and he's his howl, his howl kills birds, which they could eat. They could. Yeah, they could eat those birds. Kate is very into Garth. He talks about how he's into fitness or something because he's clearly struggling for some way to describe himself. And then he leads up to his howl. And instead of a ooh kind of howl, it's just somebody going awoo, but badly. (laughs) It's like that sign of don't awoo. (laughs) Mods are asleep post awoo. (laughs) That's what this is. And every time he howls, it kills a bird. Which actually seems like it would be really useful. <laughs> I'm not sure how it keeps killing birds. <laughs> I started to just sort of accept it. And then as the birds kept dying, I was like, wait a minute. Why does it kill birds? Is this a superpower? Is this his secondary mutation? It would save his pack. They'd have food to eat. It's true. He took down a whole flock of geese. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of geese. And after he finishes his terrible howl, he turns to Kate and says, was it good for you? God. (laughs) I hate it. So Kate runs away because Garth's metaphorical wolf dick is extremely small and he doesn't know how to use it. (laughs) Where she meets Humphrey. Who's like, oh yeah, no, I always like to take a break 10 minutes into a howl. So this is absolutely wolf sex. This is, this is wolf sex. This is wolf sex. This is the eyes wide shut orgy of wolves. <laughs> and they just do it on the reg. This is a regularly scheduled wolf orgy. <laughs> Makes sense. Kate tries to come up with some things that she likes about Garth. 
she doesn't have anything because they talk for five seconds. And then they get hit by drug darts. You know how in every kid's movie, drugs are shown in a very specific way? It's this way. Mm-hmm. And it lasts a long time. Everything in this movie is inordinately long because they needed to pad like hell to make it fit. 90 minutes! (laughs) 90 minutes of my life I'm not getting back! (laughs) And so they pass out. A couple of humans enter the frame and they're like, bag them up, boys. We're going to Idaho. But we are not going to mention what place we're in in Idaho because the National Park didn't want this on them. (laughs) These wolves didn't get tagged. No, they didn't get tracked in any way, shape, or form. They just put them in crates and drive them down to Idaho. Yep, and they put them in a little plane to get them down to Idaho, too. (sighs) Like I said, this movie does not appropriately sell why this was a cool project. Nope. It was returning an extirpated species to, like, an area where they were solely needed because there were no apex predators left in Idaho at that point to hunt all the deer that kept throwing their shit bodies in front of cars and eating literally everything because who's terrible at conservation white folks she said pointing two thumbs at herself (laughs) (laughs) who's got two thumbs and is really at conservation (laughs) me yo (laughs) anyway there's some wolves in a box They have this sequence where basically we just have voiceovers over some boxes rattling in the back of a pickup truck, which the animators must have loved, frankly. If I were an animator on this project, I would really want to be on that sequence because I don't have to do shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I just remembered. I remembered the Midnight Howl and all the other times that you see the wolves make like O sounds with their lips. With their lips that they have. Their lips that stretch over their whole snout and make an ooh lip flap and it's bad. (sighs) The wolves arrive in Idaho. They are released. They are untagged. They book it. And immediately they run into a golf course. (laughs) Why are there so many golf jokes in this movie? (laughs) Who decided this needed to be here? (laughs) It's like they decided that they needed to make jokes that both kids and adults can enjoy. So they made a whole bunch of body horror jokes about like butts and farting and swallowing your vomit. And then they also made jokes about golf because everything they knew about adults came from like the funny papers. Hey, what are grownups like? Grownups like golf, right? Let's just have a bunch of golf jokes. And also there's geese. It worked for Beetle Bailey. There's like a duck and a goose that play golf. There's some porcupines here who are watching the golf happen. Don't worry about them. They go away. Real quick. The goose is French-Canadian. His name is Marcel. And they make a big joke about the fact that he's French-Canadian. Like, he keeps saying he's French, and then the duck keeps appending Canadian. I can tell you now, (laughs) no Franco is going to, like, try to talk up the fact that they are, like, ooh, Parisian-French. They fucking hate those fuckers. (laughs) And then the duck is British. And also a caddy, maybe? Yeah, these guys are absolutely like an old gay couple. Except that they have a throwaway joke. The one, one of the few things I was able to hear in this movie was the duck making a throwaway joke about an ex-girlfriend that Marcel the Goose subsequently dated. Yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. <laughs> that was a desperate attempt to say they've got a case of the not gays, and I don't, I don't buy it. No, this is an old caddy gay couple. <laughs> yep. The duck's named Patty, by the way. I have this line written here, and looking at it in isolation, it says, Shut the hole that makes the words. And that by itself, out of context, is a spectacular line. It's very good. But delivered, it's the worst. (laughs) The duck says, shut the hole that makes the words. 
Yeah, I don't care for that. That is not how you deliver that line, I am telling you. As someone who has delivered several lines very close to that, that is not how you deliver that line. That line needs to be delivered in an extremely loud Glaswegian accent. <laughs> powered by pure rage. Marcel here is very into golf, and he is the golfer. The duck is the caddy. They do the thing where you either do two things when you have cartoon fowl. You either have them act as though their fingers are big hands, a la, like, Owl from Winnie the Pooh, and they just have substance and, and texture and whatever, or you put the hands, like, right at where the finger-like bones are on a bird, so, like, right at the top joint. They decided to do the feather fingers. But they also decided to make the feathers look like feathers in close-ups. It's disturbing. It's awful. It's awful, and I hate it. <laughs> also, there's an offhand joke from the wolves about how they'll ask these guys for directions, and if they turn out not to be useful, they'll just eat them. I can't tell even if that's supposed to be a joke, because Humphrey says that, and Kate's like, yeah, that makes sense. We'll just eat them. <laughs> because again, these wolves haven't eaten anything for like 48 hours. So there's an extended sequence where they hit a golf ball and it doesn't go into a hole. And then there's an extended chase sequence where they try to get the goose to talk to them. And folks, it's just the scene from Dragonheart again. Folks, three movies now we've had this. Three fucking movies where there's a flying thing and a guy trying to hang on to the flying thing and nature obstacles. Why does this keep happening to us? Dick punches abound, folks. While the wolf just says, oh, my butt, my butt, my butt. It's three movies. Why does this keep happening? Is this the Dragonheart and Hansel and Gretel witch hunters? How did it happen in this one? I was watching this movie last night and this sequence is starting to gear up. And a couple of seconds in, I was just like, no, this can't be happening again. <laughs> I must be hallucinating. This can't be a thing that's happening again. Is this our brand now? Do we just need to find movies where somebody is drugged by a flying thing through a forest and they hit their junk on stuff? Are we going to be watching, like, fucking Nutcracker movie and there's going to be a lot of jokes about cracking his nuts on stuff as he's getting dragged through the wilderness by some kind of flying thing? Oh, it's going to happen, isn't it? God! Is is this our brand now? We're cursed to just live in this space forever now. (laughs) They do eventually catch the goose. And they explain they're just looking for a way back home. And the duck and the goose are like, Aww, you're gonna fuck. Yeah, there's a lot of jokes about repopulating. They really push the boundaries of what they can get away with in a kid's movie with regards to the fact that these wolves are supposed to fucking to make babies. And it's really irritating because, like, this attitude carries on throughout the whole movie where every time Kate is put off by something that involves her and Humphrey having some kind of intimate relationship, whether it be romantic or a sexual one, she is put off by it. And Humphrey is just, like, blatantly thirsty. I can't believe I paid four whole Canadian dollars to watch The Adventures of Friendzone Wolf. one thing you really want to do especially in animation is to not just have talking heads you don't want to have your characters just sitting around talking you want to have them doing things and that's the whole reason that like a walk and talk in live action is so effective because you want to see your characters actually do being in motion reinforcing the fact that they are pushing the plot along by doing something that physically reflects that as well what if instead of that you had a conversation while there was some body horror chiropractic happening for no reason. <laughs> Why is there a so much chiropractic in this scene? This goose has a long neck and the duck 
bends it at 90 degrees about three times in three different places. It looks like the pipe screen saver from Windows 98. <laughs> I don't understand why this happens. It doesn't underscore any part of the conversation. It doesn't reinforce anything. It doesn't even reflect anything. He's just breaking this goose's back while they talk about getting them back to Alberta. Is it weird that the wolves know that they live in Jasper National Park? Yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, it is weird. <laughs> can they read the signs? <laughs> By the way, they never say Alberta because this movie is for Americans and Americans don't know what Alberta is. <laughs> so they just say Jasper. Jasper in Canada. Yeah, Jasper in Canada, that's it. We're pretty clear on where Idaho is when we're not confusing it with Iowa. Sometimes we do that. <laughs> I also confuse Idaho with Iowa. <laughs> I don't understand what the difference is. One of them's smaller? Also, you have Kansas and Arkansas, and they're not pronounced the same, even though they're spelled the same. Yes. I don't understand. Neither do we. Okay. It's probably some kind of bastardization of a native word. That makes sense. It usually is. Yeah. We just translate the native words so we have, like, cities called, like, Moose Jaw and sh Meanwhile, Kate is gone. The wolves don't give a shit about Humphrey, but Kate is missing. And she's supposed to be married to Garth. Uh-oh. If those two specific characters don't get married, we're going to start a war, which is very relevant to the internet experience. <laughs> <laughs> if these two specific characters don't get together, I'm going to mail anthrax to your fucking office type shit. <laughs> Voltron was a wild time for everyone. That was like eight seasons worth of fandom drama compressed into two years. People could have died. <laughs> But on the other hand, Voltron's over now. It is over now. And near as I can tell, the fandom is just scattered to the four winds. People are still writing Due South fanfiction these days. Nobody's writing Voltron <laughs> anymore. It's just gone. It's gone. They didn't even, like, switch over to She-Ra or anything. So speaking of fanfic, this is the part where Lily, the beautiful snow white wolf with purple eyes. Oh, God. <laughs> Played by Wednesday Adams. You're crushing mine. Walks up to be like, I could show Garth around if you want, since Kate stood him up, you know, I could show him around. And he's like, yeah, okay. So you know that fanfic thing <laughs> where they've decided that the show OTP isn't their OTP, so they break up the show OTP, and then they take the one half of the OTP they care about, and they moosh them together with the other character they care about, and then there's just, like, this superfluous character, and also a side character who's available, and so they moosh those characters together. You know, the thing that almost happened in Love Never Dies. This is that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fix-it fix. And so you've got this love interest character who's just left sitting by the wayside, usually bows out gracefully, but you want him to fuck. So who else could be there for him? But this other character, who's, who's very close to the other character that originally ditched him and is so unique and special and doesn't really feel like she fits in with the main characters, but she's also beautiful. <laughs> and she's so different and strange and he really could understand her and she could really be the only one that understands him. Anyway, that's the B-plot of this movie. <laughs> Garth gets a goth GF. GF? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Goth GF GF? I don't fucking know. I love it. I love it. I work from home exclusively now. This podcast is the only time when I speak out loud. Jarth gets a GF. <laughs> So meanwhile, 
back with the characters who don't have chemistry. Kate and Humphrey are going to get into an RV, which of course has an A113 license plate, because why not make a series of animated movie in-jokes? And the RV is owned by a huge, beefy motorcycle dude who's extremely soft for his tiny librarian wife. I love them. Why isn't this movie about them? It should be. I want to know about them. I want to know everything about them. I want the movie about their, like, 50th anniversary road trip up to Jasper. Me too. And it's also wild because we get some of their backstory for some reason. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be something to suggest that opposites can attract so Humphrey and Kate should get together. But it just makes me want to know more about this soft biker and his tiny librarian wife. I love them. It's so good. (laughs) Like, music starts playing and they're dancing and they're having a great time and it is the cutest thing in the world. The librarian says this is the song we met to, which isn't really English, but I'm willing to give them a pass because they're adorable. It's so cute. Unfortunately, they try to draw cinematic parallels between them and the two wolves, and it sucks. It's terrible. The wolves have to avoid being seen by the biker and the librarian, so they kind of dance a little. It's like that scene from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, in the elevator. Yeah. The scene ends, sadly. Wolves get into the back of the RV. The duck and the goose say goodbye and threaten to be in more of the movie. Oh, God. (laughs) While they're in the RV, Kate has a dream about wolves fighting, and then she wakes up to Humphrey cosplaying. So. That's like it. We've got nothing for this. The only thing I can talk about is this reveals that Kate is actually a Kaolith from Werewolf the Forsaken. Okay. Okay, I want to hear this. Please, please extrapolate on the sidebar. I'm ready. Please explain. They have basically prophetic dreams about what's going to happen and things that they need to work on. That explains the wolf fighting thing. Uh-huh. And they're also focused on glory, which is basically doing like the dramatically appropriate thing and doing stuff that like makes the story more dramatic. In which case, that would explain her getting back to Garth. Because even though she doesn't like him, she knows that getting together with him will be kind of like a dramatic turn. But I think that maybe it's actually her playing into it. Okay. Because she understands that if she just goes with Humphrey, then, you know, it's kind of boring. So you're saying she's genre savvy? Yeah, exactly. What is Humphrey? Where does Humphrey fit in Werewolf? He'd be killed in like five seconds. Oh, okay. That also works. Honestly, I'm kind of incensed that you have had this whole, like, (laughs) white wolf layover for at least one character in this movie, and you choose until now to pull it out. You don't start with that. Why would I ever start with that? We could have been drawing werewolf comparisons the whole time. You're welcome. Anyway, it's back to the fanfic B-plot. Lily does turtle impressions to endear herself to Garth. God. (laughs) You ever just think about what a waste of everything Christina Ricci is? It's just such a waste of a Christina Ricci. They had Christina Ricci and they squandered her. And she's adorable. And they squandered her. And Garth is charmed by these turtle impressions, which include... A turtle that fell and can't get up, and turtle roadkill. And he's charmed by this. And then he says, why don't I show you something an alpha can do? And then that scene just kind of ends? They seem to sort of leave and go somewhere, but we'll discover that he doesn't actually do this until the following day. So either this was a lead-in to them going off and having a moonlight howl together. Or he just said, why don't I show you something an alpha can do? And then as soon as the camera left them, he was like, tomorrow, though. (laughs) (laughs) 
Meanwhile, the RV pulls up to get gas, but it doesn't actually get gas. It just pulls into a weird parking lot outside of a gas station. Also, the truck stop has a sign that says, eat food, get gas, which is like a joke that my dad told on approximately every road trip when I was a kid. <laughs> I've been by so many eat here, get gas stations. I can't even imagine hearing that joke for the first time. It's like the food makes you fart. Get it? Get it. Can you guys tell how tired we are? <laughs> Kate wakes up from her prophetic dreams wearing a wig and a bra, and the bra is perfectly centered over where her boobs would be if she was a furry. And it's very important that the animators want the audience to think of, hey, what if this wolf had some titties, huh? Not like wolf titties, but like people titties. But like people titties, but like on a wolf. Eh? Eh? Anyway, Humphrey has to piss. Oh, God. <laughs> you know how I mentioned earlier how someone involved in this movie had a fetish? <laughs> Humphrey has to pee. Though being a wolf can't do it in the RV. He also can't piss while she's watching. By the way, she wants to watch him pee. <sighs> and then Humphrey gets distracted from peeing because he saw garbage and he wants to eat the garbage. The movie later says this was a cupcake. This is clearly a donut. <laughs> There's this whole sequence where another RV pulls up and there's a really poorly animated child and a French bulldog and they also eat a cupcake or something. It doesn't matter. It lasts forever. The important thing is that Humphrey gets icing on his face and then somebody comes outside from the building and thinks that he's rabid and is going to shoot him. But he doesn't. Instead, Kate shows up to save the day, sacrificing her spot in the RV, which I guess is supposed to mean something. I don't know. She gets out of the RV to save Humphrey, and then the guy with the gun shoots at the wolves, but instead blows a giant hole in the fence. Because that's how guns work. What kind of ammunition was he using? <laughs> he talks about getting both wolves at once, which makes me imply it's some kind of like scatter shot, like bird shot or buck shot. But the hole that that blows in the fence says it was just a solid slug, which if you hit an animal with that, it blows a hole in the size <laughs> that like a cat could walk through. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a chain leak fence, folks. There's lots of holes in those. Also, there's a huge cloud of smoke. You, dude, you gotta clean that gun. <laughs> <laughs> they escape, the RV leaves, now they have to walk. It's raining. Humphrey does this song. What is this, Mac? What is this? What what is this thing that happens? <laughs> I, I I don't really know how to describe it, honestly. He kinda does and nah. <laughs> He calls it a rain dance. Yeah, he I don't think it is. It it is not. It's 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 bad. The words are like, rain, go away. Go away, yeah. rain, you're bad. But not like, rain, rain, go away. You know, the public domain children's nursery song? It's just Justin Long, guys. <laughs> he's just he's just being Justin Long. It, it was like they put a mic in front of him and said, say something about rain, and he did, and it was bad. I'm not convinced they gave Justin Long a script, honestly. <laughs> Same, honestly. Pretty sure most of the script was just Justin does two minutes here. I'm not even sure he necessarily knew it was about wolves. <laughs> he just does. They're not even bits. They're just sort of things that he says. They're just sort of words. Yeah. And they come out of his mouth in a sequence and they're somewhat related, but I wouldn't even call them a bit. Nope. Speaking of bits, Humphrey knows what Tarzan is. God. So there's a muddy river and it's at the bottom of a ravine and they have to cross the ravine for some reason. 
and Kate tries to do a ninja jump over the ravine, but doesn't quite make it. But don't worry, there's a vine in this deciduous forest. Oh, God. I'm pretty sure there's no vines in Idaho. But he finds one, and he does a Tarzan impersonation, and he's like, Kate, grab onto my tail, and then his butt hurts again. Uh. <laughs> and he, like, swings her up to the other side to safety, but then he falls. And Kate thinks he might be dead. But he's not, don't worry about it. And then sees, like, a pile of mud that might be a wolf. He's not, he's completely fine. He's clean. They didn't want to do anything to that character model. Yeah, that would that would require effort. He's just kind of there. We don't know how he got out of the river, considering that river seemed like it was a danger or like a really long fall. He's fine. He's fine. Don't worry about it. He just sort of respawned at the bottom of the ravine. I think he had another guy. Meanwhile, we quickly jump back to Jasper where Kate is still gone and her dad is upset and he's like, we must defend our territory. So I guess they're just going to have a wolf fight. <laughs> we'll fight. We'll <laughs> fight. We'll fight. <laughs> The next morning, we wake up and our characters are touching noses like they snuggled in their sleep. That goes on for an interminably long time, this bit where they're touching noses. Humphrey doesn't even have the decency to be slightly embarrassed. He's just like, hey, hey, our noses are touching. Hey, maybe we, maybe we, should, maybe we should get Wolf married. You want to get Wolf married? I want to get Wolf married. It's just an unwholesomely long sequence. Unfortunately, the duck and the goose are- Oh, God. <laughs> and they're yelling at our heroes for not staying in the RV. They are righteously annoyed that they just handed these guys a resolution <laughs> to the plot of this movie, and they didn't take it, and now we have to watch 45 more minutes of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. At least these 45 minutes are just, like, long, long extended sequences you can kind of gloss over. Oh, they're so bad. Yep. <laughs> By the way, we're only like halfway through the movie. Oh yeah, everybody. We have been recording for an hour and 15 minutes. The wolves ask Marcel and Patty how they can get home now. And they're like, oh, it's the train. I should note that this actually takes like 10 minutes to get through. Despite me saying, oh, it's the train. They have to like look at each other. And then there's some golf jokes and more golfing. And then finally they go, oh, there's the train. And they're at like, where's the train? And then they go, let me show you. And they golf toward a mountain. <laughs> They golf as a verb. I love it. It's right over there. And they're like, what? And it's like, it's, it's over the mountain. You have to get over the mountain. It's on the other side of the mountain. The Canadian Express. Oh my God. I forgot in the initial golfing scene, there was like a really long riff on the whole Market Zero scene from The Big Lebowski. <laughs> God, is that what that was? I think it was supposed to be a riff on the Market Zero scene. Lord have mercy. Because a woodpecker eats the ball before it goes in the hole. Right. That does happen. Meanwhile, the fanfic is still up and going. It's got another chapter out, and this one involves Garth kicking logs. Yeah, and then he says, dinner is served. Because he kicked some logs. I guess they're eating logs now. We have no understanding that anyone has actually eaten any caribou, so I think everyone is just slowly starving to death over the course of this movie. You get a little loopy when you haven't eaten in a while. It explains the aggression, too. Also, like, I love how this movie tries to imply that really good hunting techniques involve, like, ninja assassin wolf moves, because <laughs> otherwise they would have to, like, admit that it involves basically hanging on to a large animal and you just start eating. <laughs> you don't even and wait for it to be dead first. You just start eating. Eventually, it will be dead if you eat it enough. Lily is super turned on by the log-kicking ninja stuff. Like, she fans herself with her tail. And Garth is like, let me teach you how to hunt or something. The important thing is that he, like, tries to teach her how to stalk. 
And then they do the wiggle thing that cats do when they're about to pounce. But I don't think wolves do that. I don't think wolves do that either. They do the cat wiggle. Lily is like, oh no, I'm too shy to pounce on things. I'm so awkward and clumsy. <laughs> oh look, I'm now stuck in a tree. And he brushes her hair out of her eyes. And he's like, wow, you're beautiful. <laughs> he like, she's all that's her. <laughs> one swipe of his paw of course now she doesn't have her emo hair anymore it's kind of like when they did that quote-unquote glow up to the girl in breakfast club it was not a glow up it was not a glow up nope it was bad she was cuter before she was so cute before so we go back to humphrey and kate because that chapter of the fanfic is over now like please like and comment kudos are you kidding this is fanfiction.net <laughs> you're right read and review that's the request that's happening here there you go please read and review they will not post another chapter until they get at least three comments. So we go back to the main characters. Humphrey and Kate are having a snowball fight on the mountain in the most powdery-ass snow, and it's the worst. Yep. Kate says this line at some point that's like, how's that for a girl's throw? Now, Mackenzie, you're the only one that got subtitles. Did they say anything about throwing like a girl? No, which is odd. So that must have been a line that was cut at some point. Or maybe HBO took it off because HBO was like, this isn't, we like boobs. Well, in that case, why didn't they just cut the whole movie? <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't they add boobs to the wolves? Oh, they could have though. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, and then a baby bear shows up mm. and there's like this scene where justin long is joking around the baby bear and kate looks over like oh he's good with kids he is dating material <laughs> fuck <laughs> unfortunately it's still justin long yeah and he gets the cub hurt he hits the cub with a snowball and the cub cries yeah and then you know, when you hurt a baby cub, mama's nearby. Along with her polyamorous triad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they actually studied bears for this one. These are properly rigged bears, and I think they did all three major types of bears. I think so, yeah. <laughs> There's like a grizzly, a Kodiak, and a great brown bear, and they're all raising this one child together. There's an inordinate amount of effort going into the design of these polyamorous bears <laughs> raising this one small child. <laughs> Again, can we just make this movie about these polyamorous bears? I want to know more about the polyamorous tri- I think they're all male bears, too, so I want to know more about these polyamorous gay bears. <laughs> they're all dads. Is this what Journey to the Bear Nation is about? Yes, I hope so. Journey to Bear Kingdom, please. Sorry. Wait, the bears have a king? Yes, these, these are all the co-king bears. Okay, maybe one of them is a king and the two of them are the consorts. Either way, I want to know more. Unfortunately, we have to go by Humphrey and Kate, and they are chased by this polyamorous bear triad. Sorry, this polyamorous gay bear triad. Let's yeah, get all the proper adjectives. Yeah. Well, we don't know they're gay, but I think they're all male bears, because if they were female bears, this animation team would have put some sort of, like, long hair or eyelashes on them. They would definitely have eyelashes. Yeah. yeah. There's a bear chase. They end up on a cliffside where Kate is with a dead tree outcropping, like she's going to freaking hop on there hover and then fill in a whole bunch more of the map <laughs> as an eagle flies around her head exactly humphrey tells some kind of a joke about eating clowns why does he know what a clown is maybe there's a clown convention that goes on at Na jasper national park every year 
Yeah, is there a clown convention? I'm pretty sure there isn't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there isn't. Have you checked the events page? Yeah, have you checked the event page? Uh, hang on, I'm going to check the events calendar. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not going to go on right now. No, the clown convention was probably canceled. It's Zoom only. Okay, I'm pulling up the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I feel like a clown convention would meet on Skype. That's where clowns meet. Meetings and events. Clown convention. CTRLF clown that's the spot where my friend's getting married come on i need the convention schedule they're not giving me the convention schedule i'm disappointed clowns jasper national park (laughs) here's someone in a clown costume at jasper i mean yeah maybe that's how he knows he just met a clown once and he was like yeah brother yeah what are you good news though the canadian express is chugging along on the other side of this mountain below this cliff I'm here to tell you that there is no train in Canada that isn't express. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Passenger rail here is fucking garbage, folks. I'm sorry. Do you not also want to focus on the fact that this is like a toy train? It's an old like steam engine with six cars and a caboose. There's a cow catcher on the front of this. At least two or three of these train cars are empty except for some hay. This is a train that has an express route around the Christmas tree in a movie with rich kids. (laughs) Some little kid like, Papa, thank you for my new train. (laughs) So the only way for them to make it to the train in time is by sledding down a tree again. Told you it was Chekhov's bobsled. Only one of the bears comes after them. I guess the other two decided to go back and check on their son. Because they're good parents. Because they're good parents. They eventually get on the train and they're riding on it. It's a thing. Don't worry about it. There's a whole sequence. There's a whole prolonged, will they make it on the train sequence. It takes approximately a million years. The goose and the duck are there and they're like, are they going to make it on the train, audience? They do. They do. But folks, did you perhaps forget about how awkward the Moonlight Howl is? No. Because it's time again, folks! Why do we have to go back to this? Recurring theme. Because Lily needs to get a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Ah. Garth needs a girlfriend. Needs a hot goth girlfriend. Hot goth GF. Garth needs to fulfill the dream of dating Christina Ricci. <laughs> Garth has killed several birds. And Lily starts teaching him how to howl properly. Which takes a ridiculously short amount of time. He's like, howl from here, and she puts her horrible paw on his heart. So this is basically just once more with feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, have you heard of the diaphragm, Garth? (laughs) And then basically he's just like, oh my god. Oh my god, his howling is beautiful now. Lily taught him how to love. Oh god. And we interlace this with a scene on the train as the moon is beautiful and Kate and Humphrey are talking. And Humphrey's like, oh, look at the moon. Let me sing my howl. Ah. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this so much. And Kate's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I just, the mood and the moon howl with me, Kate. <laughs> and she does. So he's essentially just whipped his dick out. Yeah. The mood just seemed right. You know, it was the moment. It's fine. It's fine. It felt right. It felt good. Now's the time. <laughs> and Humphrey, Humphrey. The Omega, the dork, has the most beautiful howl of them all. (laughs) Do you think Justin Long had to do this or did they bring in a singing double? You really think Justin Long looks like a guy who can sing? I think he looks like a guy who thinks he can sing. I think he's more of a Garth. 
I think what they did was kind of like how the guy who was actually in the Darth Vader suit thought that he was actually going to get all the lines and then they dubbed him over with James Earl Jones without his knowing about it. Ah. Uh. So they told Justin Long to howl sing, to do his little awoo, and then they dubbed it over with somebody else. And they sing. They howl together. And it's beautiful. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just awkward. At least they don't grind. At least they don't grind. Small blessings. <laughs> Small blessings. The wolves don't grind. The clouds part and the crack of sunlight comes through them. The wolves didn't grind on this <laughs> fucking train. <laughs> the goose and the duck arrive. And Kate is so beautiful when she is sleeping. Uh. <laughs> Except it's also night now. Because it's the full moon. Winston says, I can see that, Tony. <laughs> God. The fact that their names are Winston and Tony just sucks any dramatic tension out of this scene. Their names are Winston and Tony. Why are their names Winston and Tony? You couldn't think of any other names that didn't sound like this? It's dramatically set up so that they should have fucking warrior cat names. Like Bramble Pelt or some shit. And instead, they have names like Winston and Tony. Well, they couldn't even come up with, like, cool human names. They're just Winston and Tony. Celtic names are good for that shit. Sure. But no, it's time for the Paxton Clare war on each other. But before that, a really good joke. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. And a lot of fountain. The facts are arranged on either side of this cave. They're all kind of arranged on, like, little cliff bits, like little sticky out bits that they can stand on, like freaking goats. And just as they're about to pounce, something happens. Reba and Janice run through. Stop the insanity. They've got some squirrels on their backs, and they've got a whole bunch of berries. And they're just shouting, stop the insanity, go organic, stop the insanity, go organic. When Mackenzie and I watched this for the first time, <laughs> we lost our composure entirely. <laughs> we had to stop the movie. <laughs> what? I have ten questions. <laughs> All right. Question number one. Uh-huh. Does the phrase go organic imply that wolves have agriculture? <laughs> Question number two. If the wolves have agriculture, does this imply that they have pesticides? <laughs> and therefore, would, there would be a delineation between pesticide use and non-pesticide use. Question number three. These are vegetarian wolves. Why are they so incensed about going organic in particular? <laughs> Question number four. <laughs> I don't actually, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just confused on so many different levels. I don't think I'm going to make it to 10 before I just break down. <laughs> Honestly, for us, it was the word organic that really got us. Because yeah. it seems like they're confusing organic with vegetarian. Yeah, they're hunters. They're not even hunter-gatherers. They're just hunters. Everything's organic by default. There are very few things that are more organic than a deer you just killed with your own mouth. <laughs> are these GMO caribou? <laughs> Does Monsanto have a patent on these caribou? Are these not natural caribou? Are they store-bought? What does any of having to go organic have to do with two packs of wolves going to kill each other? Is this because there's a food scarcity? There's so much of this that just, I don't... What? 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 What is this? Yes. What is this? <laughs> Why is one of the wolves named Reba? <laughs> 
Why didn't they get Reba to play the wolf named Reba? <laughs> Am I at 10 yet? <laughs> I think that's seven. <laughs> I just stop the insanity. Go organic. Stop the insanity. Go organic. I hate this. <laughs> anyway, the packs declare war on each other. I hate that there's still like 20 minutes left in this movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the train, they're like, oh, we passed a sign. We're in Canada now. It, mm, mm, and, <laughs> and, and immediately after passing the border into Canada from Idaho, they are now in Jasper. Yeah, no, there's still like 10 hours of driving between the 49th parallel and Jasper. <laughs> there's a ways. Jasper is not on the border. You gotta go through like Medicine Hat and some sh. You gotta go through like really <laughs> dismal prairie before you get to Jasper on that fucking train. But it's okay. It's okay. Kate's like, oh, Humphrey, I had fun. I had fun over these past couple of days. I didn't know how to have fun before. You taught me how to have fun somehow. You know, with your constant incessant being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun, I guess. And you're costing us the entire trip where we could have learned more of, about this soft biker and his tiny wife. God. <laughs> I wish I'd watched that movie. <laughs> it looks like they might wolf kiss or something, but then the train goes literally right next to the scene of the wolves fighting. <laughs> it's so close. <laughs> like it opens directly up on that scene. It's like a car in a Disney World dark ride going right next to a scene from a movie. <laughs> it's right there. And at no point do we see any train tracks in the previous shots of this like rocky gulch. This train goes right in the middle of this territory. Yep. Nobody seems to mind. It's not even like a raised train track or anything. It's on the ground. That's bad. <laughs> But the movie was not interested in any more travel sequences, so they just sort of dropped them off at the scene. We gotta wrap this shit up. <laughs> yeah, we gotta wrap it up, man. So Kate immediately hops off the train and runs up and is like, Oh, Mary Garth, it's okay! <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. And the wolves are like, oh, we don't have to fight anymore. Hooray! Let's celebrate! <laughs> and they go through, like, the worst animation glitch, where they just kind of lift their front legs and hop. I don't think it's a glitch. You have always said it's a glitch, and I think this is intentional. Well, I think it's also intentional, but it looks like it should be a glitch. It does. Some of the wolves start doing, like, a little dance celebration, but most of them just sort of do a weird hop. <laughs> I can just imagine the animator team, like, it, it's 2 a.m. And they're like, we got to do a crowd scene? <laughs> you want it when? There's like 40 wolves in this scene. Oh, fuck. All right, we'll just make them hop. Just make them, nobody will notice. Make them hop. <laughs> and they just kind of hop. There's bits where all the wolves are gathering together, and then they slowly disperse behind the characters. So, like, I assume they're leaving, but they all just kind of, like, hop leave. Like, they hop from the back feet to the front feet and the back feet to the front feet. Like, you know when you have a wind-up toy that's supposed to move and it's really just a vibration? Yeah. These characters just kind of slowly vibrate because they're happy that Kate and Garth are going to get married. Except Humphrey. Humphrey is sad. Humphrey is sad. Humphrey is like, oh, okay, goodbye, bye. We're meant to care about Humphrey's feelings. Yeah. But we don't. But we don't. And then we come to what I assume is the next morning. 
where it's a nice day for a wolf wedding. It's a nice day for a wolf wedding. <laughs> Thank you, Mackenzie. Cool. <laughs> I appreciate you. In the middle of the wolf wedding, Kate's like, I can't marry Garth. I love Humphrey. And Garth's like, good, I love Lily. Oh, by the way, Humphrey in the middle of this is apparently going to hop on a train and go be a wolf hobo. He's going to be the littlest hobo. (laughs) (laughs) He has packed his little bindle. We should also talk about how there is an incredibly detailed wolf wedding ceremony. They don't just have like a wolf pastor who asks if they'll say man and wife. There's no prolonged sequence. One of the Omegas narrates how the wolf wedding happens to another character who by all accounts should know how it works. Yeah, somebody sat down and, like, worked out an entire wolf wedding ceremony. They're like, this is how it should go. They accept each other's scent, they nibble each other's ears, and now they will rub noses to symbolize that they are mates. Why does that symbolize that they're mates? I don't know. Okay, also, they're mates now. They're not married. They're not wolf husband and wolf wife. They are mates now, and I'm confused and upset. (laughs) Kate says, I can't. Garth says, I can't either. I'm in love with an Omega. And so am I. So am I. And they're like, this, it it isn't done. It's against pack law for some reason. And then suddenly caribou show up. There's another wolf fight and this starts another wildebeest stampede. I know earlier we asked if you ever saw Lion King and I'm just wondering, have you seen it yet? (laughs) (laughs) Hey kids, did you forget about Lion King in the middle of this movie? We hope so. You know, between Dennis Hopper saying all of King Koopa's lines in Super Mario Brothers and Dennis Hopper in this movie yelling about how this is not pack law, I wonder if Dennis Hopper has said no to a single role in his entire life. (laughs) Does he just really like to work? That man will say anything on camera, apparently. Somebody has to, I suppose. Which, considering he was in Blue Velvet, yeah. Somebody has to say these lines, so he figures it may as well be him. There's another caribou stampede except it's all the caribou that live in this park all 145 of them all 145 of them instead of simba getting stuck on a tree mufasa gets stuck on a tree and by that i mean two wolves get stuck on a tree tony and winston why are they called tony and winston (laughs) every time one of them has a bad disc in his hip Oh yeah, that was this thing that was planted at the start of the movie, by the way. We first introduced Tony. He's got a slipped disc. It's a real pain. And now, an hour and a half later, that factors into the plot. This movie vastly overestimates both my attention span and the attention span of the target audience of this movie. In order to save them, it's time to do another tree sled. Humphrey is here again. He decided not to be a little hobo. He's back now. I think they reunite. I don't care. I can't remember, honestly. I always kind of forget after the hopping part happens. <laughs> I know. It just sort of skips to the rest of the movie. Yeah. They do a tree sled to provide cover for Winston and Tony. Kate gets a little bit trampled, and then Humphrey gets a lot of bit trampled. But unfortunately, no one dies. Humphrey thinks Kate's dead, and so he starts beginning a howl, and he's so sad, and everybody else howls. Right, everyone does a sad awoo, which is different from a horny awoo, because they actually go awoo, and they don't go like, ooh. Yeah, awoo. Everybody does a sad awoo, and now Kate is completely fine, actually. You know? Yeah, and brings Kate back to life with the sad awoo. <laughs> It's like how when all the Pokemon cried Ash back to life after Mewtwo murdered him. (laughs) (laughs) Except not as poignant 
was when the Pokemon crashed. That's a lot <laughs> after Mewtwo <laughs> murdered him. <laughs> really enjoy the phrase cried Ash back to life. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Kate gets up and she's like, I want to tell you something. And she whispers something in his ear, which I can only assume means I'm pregnant. <laughs> Humphrey's like, oh, I wanted to tell you something, too, and whisper something in her ear, which I can only assume means I'm also pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> then Winston and Tony abolish the lol about how Alphys can't marry Omegas, because that's all it took. And, you know, then Jasmine and Aladdin can get married, and they wish the genie free. And by that, I mean the goose and the duck show up again. They're like, who wants to play golf? <laughs> And Garth and Lily get married, and that combines the packs. And then because this is a children's movie that is not very good, they say, how do we end this movie again? Dance party! Dance party. Except it's a howl. Yeah. Uh, Moonlight howl party. I was so done by this point, I just fast-forwarded through this entire scene until I hit the credits. It's for the best, honestly. They're all howling, and Kate and Humphrey get a duet, and it's bad. We're reminded that Winston and the wolf mom, whose name I just assume is Karen. I never actually looked it up. (laughs) I think it's Eve, but I think we all know it's Karen. (laughs) We all know it's Karen. They're like, oh, let's teach these youngsters how to do it. And it's done. We're done. And then the movie is like, hey, guys, you like all these things that we've just put on your eyeballs, right? You want to see them unrendered? Oh, God. And, like, half of the credits is just, like, storyboard art. It's just, like, production stills. And unrendered character models. Don't you want to see how this movie was made? It's like, I don't. I don't, actually. (laughs) No, thank you. They take special care to remind you of when Kate was wearing a bra. Like, hey, she could have had wolf titties down there. (laughs) Wink. Wolf tits. And that's Alpha and Omega. The movie with its own B-plot fanfic. Inside the movie itself. Oh, it turns out Garth is actually so good at howling now that birds love him. So he can still summon birds. But now they can just eat them. I guess. Can they eat the birds? Does he not want to eat the birds? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's been like four days in this movie and nobody has eaten anything. Except for Humphrey who ate a donut. He ate a donut. That kept getting called a cupcake later in the movie. Yeah, it was a donut. Because they did not do any revisions on the script. I'm not convinced that anyone actually did any, like, research on anything in this movie. Again, like, the wolves were not tagged when they were released. The wolves did not actually move like wolves at all. Like, every time they showed up their little paws, like, you could see their wolf beans. They were just kind of really weird and small and just sort of recessed into this flat plane that was the bottom of the foot. It was distressing. Just a very shoddy movie. Richard? Richard, why? (laughs) (laughs) Richard, why do you keep doing this to us? Richard, why did you make seven more of these? Why are there so many of these, Richard? Why do you have to perpetually remind us that Humphrey and Kate had cubs? I don't want to think about them f***ing. Richard? Richard, why do you want us to think about them f***ing? Richard, you had a perfectly elegant solution in Swan Princess where they adopted something. Richard, what does stop the insanity go organic mean? (laughs) Richard, Richard, can you please explain yourself, Richard? I don't care for this. Richard, what is this? (laughs) If this movie didn't have this fascinating fanfic B-plot, it would be... It would just be an unwatchable movie. It would be garbage. It would be more garbage than it already is. If it didn't have its own fanfic that happened in the middle of it, and if it also didn't briefly feature a soft biker and his tiny wife. (laughs) Yeah, where's that movie, Richard? Can we please go back to them? 
Actually, Richard, I don't want you doing it because you'd mess it up. Can someone else do a movie about the soft biker and his tiny wife? She was in like incredible cat eye sunglasses and stuff. They listened to like rock music together. It was adorable. They had banged in the front seat. It was great. Their RV had flames on the side to make it go faster. And a bumper sticker that said librarians rule. They were perfect. They were perfect and you squandered them just like you squandered Christina Ricci. You hired Wednesday Adams to be in your movie, and then she was barely in it. Did you just hire, like, one session? I mean, look at her. You made her pretend to be a turtle that couldn't get up. So that's Alpha and Omega. This was in 2010. This is a decade old. Richard Rich has still not paid for his crimes, and he continues committing. There are still Swan Princess movies coming out. Why? In fact, in fact, I just, I just... How many, 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 how many now? How many now? How many now are there? No, you're just trying to leak me to Swan Lake. Don't try to send me to Swan Lake. <laughs> ah! They've been coming out almost every year. Swan Princess Christmas in 2012, Royal Family Tale 2014, Princess Tomorrow Pirate Today 2016, Royally Undercover 2017, Royal Mystery 2018, Kingdom of Music 2019, Royal Wedding 2020, Treasure of the Power Crystals 2021. God. <laughs> they are still happening. Why are they still making these? God, Richard Rich has to be stopped someone needs to stop him <laughs> stop this richard stop this i am begging you if alpha and omega isn't proof that richard rich needs to be stopped after all the squandering of perfectly good story hooks i don't know i don't know i can't i can't i hate him so much <laughs> We've gone to a dark place in this episode. Why is there another Swan Princess movie coming out next year? So I'm reading the synopses of the other Alpha and Omega films we haven't watched. Oh my god, please tell me about them. Okay, starting in the fourth one, an overarching plot begins. There's a, like, magical wolf what? that one of the cubs meets. What? Who's got a spirit wolf pack who helps her after her old pack ran her off. And these other pack are known as the rogue pack, who try to harm our heroes as Runt, the babyest wolf, helps <laughs> this new wolf find a new pack that will love her forever. This arc starts with the rogue pack showing up in almost every other sequel, causing problems, including a point where they resurrect a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm sorry, that's what the dino dig is? Yes. They resurrect a dinosaur? They resurrect a Tyrannosaurus Rex who wants to terrorize and eat the forest. Now, hold up. I know Alberta is just swimming in dinosaurs, but are there actually any T-Rexes they found in Alberta? There's an Albertosaurus, which is like a T-Rex-like predator, but it's nowhere near as big. I don't think any Tyrannosaur skeletons have been uncovered in like Drumheller, which is the area where the dinosaurs are, which is quite a distance from Jasper, I feel like I should point out. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's all Canada. It's fine. Claudette, Runt, and Stinky must rescue their parents from the rogue wolves and bears that got lost on a hunting trip during a harsh winter. Right, hold on. I know these names, but I need you to back up and spell out for the audience these three names and who these characters are. So these three names are the cubs of Kate and Humphrey. Claudette, Runt, and Stinky. They name their child Stinky. Yeah. They hate their children. So they resurrect a dinosaur. That's Dino Diggs. Spirit Wolves. Legend of Sawtooth Cave. Okay. You know, it's funny, for a second there, when you were describing this meta plot for these sequels, I was having, like, flashbacks to Balto 2 Wolf Quest. <laughs> but this is weirder. This is weirder than Balto 2 Wolf Quest, and that's saying something. 
Excellent. Okay, so theoretically they could have brought a T-Rex back to life if that weren't a stupid fucking plot point. They might have actually found a Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton because the Royal Tyrrell does have a T-Rex skeleton. Okay, well, as long as it's realistic. Okay, I just, I, I can't, I can't. The spirit, spirit wolves and dinosaur resurrection and- Holy shit! What? What? After the first one, Justin Long, of course, no longer plays Humphrey, but you know who does? Who? Who? Haida from Agretsuko. I'm emotionally confused. That's not how you pronounce that, Mackenzie. <laughs> I don't care. Agretsuko? Agretsuko. Agretsuko. Her name is Retsko, and Agretzko. they put aggressive in Agretsuko. Agretsuko? <laughs> but he plays Haida. Did you do that on purpose to hurt me? I did. <laughs> they, they don't, it don't even have that sense. Anyway. <laughs> We need to stop talking about this movie. It's time for our final facts. Yeah, final facts. Kit, what's your final fact? My final fact is that the Idaho Wolf Relocation Project was actually really fucking cool, as was the Yellowstone Wolf Relocation Project. You should look those up and learn about them because they're neat. I'm sorry that's not funny, but it is true. Mackenzie, what's your final fact? Honestly? Yeah. The Omegaverse is less horny than this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Annie, what's your final fact? You're in a desert. Walking along in the sand, and all of a sudden you look down, and there's there's a white wolf with purple eyes crawling towards you. You reach down, and you flip the white wolf with purple eyes over on its back. The white wolf with purple eyes lays on its back, its belly baking in the hot sun, beating its legs, trying to turn itself over, but it can't. Not without your help. But you're not helping. Why is that? Why is that, Richard? <laughs> Why is that, Richard? <laughs> Surely we've convinced you at this point that Richard Rich must be stopped. <laughs> Did you hear the part about the dinosaur? <laughs> Were you there for that? <laughs> it's absurd. Join us next time. This is our October episode. Happy Halloween, by the Happy, way. Sorry, yeah. there's no Gothtober this year. It's wolves now. Yes, yeah, it's, it's wolves. wolves. Happy Wolftober. Happy, Happy Wolftober. Wolftober. We're coming up on the end of the year, folks, and if there's anything you know about me is that I hold Christmas in my heart all year round, and by that I mean (laughs) I like it when it's close to my birthday. (laughs) Our next episode is coming out in the middle of November, which means it comes out during Christmas. (laughs) We're going to do a fun Christmas surprise for all of us. We're determining that we need to watch a movie before any of us have actually seen this movie. This could go very well or very badly. We'll find out together. Join us next time with our fact that is, by all accounts, the Nutcracker and the Four Realms should be our shit. (laughs) We don't know whether it is, but it should be. It radiates that energy. It has the energy. And we're going to find out. We're going to find out if it's actually our shit or not. But, you know, we've seen both Snow White and the Huntsman movies, so... The bar is so low at this point. (laughs) We don't necessarily ask for quality movies. No, what we want is something that's astonishingly high budget and then just kind of a bit shit regardless. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just to prove that you can't spend your way to good art. Which is also why the Maleficent movies are on our list. Yes. Join us next time when we talk about uh, Cracker and the Four Realms. We'll find out together whether or not it's actually a good movie or if it's a bad movie that we enjoy. I Will Fight You comes out every five weeks wherever you download podcasts. It is edited by Lucas Brown of the Math of You podcast. Hi, Lucas. How's it going? We're sorry, Lucas. We're sorry Kit swore so much, Lucas. I'm sorry, Lucas. (laughs) Keep the one best fuck. (laughs) Kit was very mad about this movie and did a lot of cusses, Lucas. 90 minutes!
If you would like to talk to us, you can find us on Twitter at CRC Podcasts. That is plural. You can find information about this and our other podcast projects on our website, crookedrussiancam.horse. That's crookedrussiancam.horse. If you want to support us, you can give us a light rate, review, subscribe, what have you. You can also do that with dollars at patreon.com slash thegemjam for a couple of bucks a month. You can get lots of behind-the-scenes things, some cutting room floor stuff for our video series Date Me, Damn It. You can do a lot of gem jammer things like submit us smut that we will talk about on our show. For $69, you can get bragging tier rights and absolutely nothing else. You get a title on our Discord. That's all you get. That's literally it. We recently redesigned our, our Patreon, and it's basically a giant shit post now, which is our <laughs> wound. And more people have subscribed as a result, so I yeah. think it, that means it was a success. Join us next time for The Nutcracker and the Four Realms, where we'll all find out together if it's actually watchable. <laughs> <laughs> I might be even more furious by the next time you hear from me, folks. <laughs> After that one, we'll have an extra special surprise that I have demanded to watch for several years. <laughs> yeah, since we started this show. It's been on the list for like, we time. need to do this movie. And we keep telling her no. And Mackenzie keeps saying, yes, it's just you. <laughs> it's just me saying no to you. Yeah, sorry, Kit, you're the last line of defense. And finally, I'm like, all right, you know what? <laughs> the, moment, the sooner we do it, the sooner Annie stops asking. <laughs> this is the kind of love and affection we share in this group. I made you guys watch both Snow White and the Huntsman movies. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I feel like I owe you one. <laughs> we did make Mackenzie watch Dragonheart, which she did not care for. We did make Mackenzie watch Dragonheart. That's a thing we made her do. I watched it twice. <laughs> I swear to God, if Nutcracker in the Four Realms has an aerial chase scene. <laughs> 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 so until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you. By the way, Lucas, just so you know, you know about my new cat. He occasionally likes to scream. From my work on Date Me, Damn It, I'm sorry ahead of time. I make no apologies. My cat screams indiscriminately. You should have made a joke about the Omegaverse in Bear Kingdom. This is true. Yeah, honestly, there's so many Omegaverse jokes here right for the plucking that I don't think we can do given our rating. It's true. Yeah. Kids, don't look into the Omegaverse. Don't look into the Omegaverse. Don't do it. Any using the phrase ripe for the plucking is definitely landed a certain spot in my head. <laughs> because you mentioned Omegaverse. Unless you're an adult and into that, in which case, look into it, man. I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to stop you. Don't do it. Look, I know one person who reads a whole bunch of Omegaverse fanfiction in their spare time, and they're horny as shit. So, you know, watch out for that. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna write fanfic that pushes the bounds of gender. That's why I've made my new fancy childbearing gender weak and contemptible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, tell you what, friends and neighbors and enemies. If you want to learn about what the Omegaverse is with any kind of particular details, there was a New York Times article about it. Oh my god. What? Yeah, yeah. Omegaverse, New York Times. Is it paywalled? If it's paywalled, I'm not reading it. I don't think it's paywalled. A feud in Wolf Kink Erotica raises a deep legal question. Okay, opening an incognito link. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> you don't want that in your Google results. What it is is that basically someone tried to copyright Omegaverse as like a concept. Oh my god, this opening paragraph is beautiful. Addison Kane was living in Kyoto, volunteering at a shrine and studying indigenous Japanese religion. She was supposed to be working on a scholarly book about her research, but started writing intensely erotic Batman fanfiction instead. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I feel like that's all we need here. I feel like that is. Yeah, that's all we need. I think that describes everything we need. I love it. We could stop there. But look up extremely reputable journalism source, the New York Times. Are they reputable? No, not at all. But they did publish an article about the Omegaverse that someone's parents can read. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, Alpha and Omega. We've digressed significantly. We don't want to talk about this movie. (laughs) It's getting to the point where I don't think I can actually talk about cool runnings and assume that the audience... That just makes the show better. It's fine. (laughs) Hello, I'm an ancient, decrepit husk. We made a soupy sales joke. I think we've given up entirely (laughs) on being hashtag relatable. We've made several soupy sales jokes over the years. We've made multiple soupy sales jokes. (laughs) Not once have we explained who soupy sales is or was. Nor do we plan to. No. Look it up. Do some f***ing reading for once in your lives. About wolves. Kate runs away because his metaphorical werewolf... I keep wanting to say werewolf. I'm so used to appending the were beforehand. (laughs) (laughs) That says something, doesn't it? Yeah, look who's talking. This is a train that has an express route around the Christmas tree in a movie with rich kids. (laughs) Some little kid like, Papa, thank you for my new train. (laughs) No, you said Papa. Papa, I wish to play with the trains. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Luke, I'm sorry. lollipop it comes with this free turkey baster (laughs) (laughs) Daniel we can't keep doing this (laughs) (laughs) okay 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 no more papa (laughs) no more papa no more papa for this episode. <laughs> so. That's the sound of Annie looking up the entire turtle monologue from, from Blade Runner. <laughs> Shut up, you don't know me. <laughs> Can I just say that, like, the most underrated joke in Detective Pikachu was that bit at the beginning where the main character's friend says, look, that Pokemon is perfect for you, and then points at an unc- And it's a Cubone! And it's an uncontrollably <laughs> weeping Cubone. <laughs> it's sad about its parents. <laughs> that is, like, the best roast in the entire movie, and nobody talks about it. Anyway, what, what the fuck is happening in this movie? I forget. 